Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to You Can Account On Me. Another day, another episode, another dollar. Although I don't actually get a dollar per episode. Um, I get nothing per episode. Not yet, at least. Not yet. But welcome back, everybody, to episode, what is this, four of You Can Account On Me? Quick spot check real quick. Let's see what episode number this is. Um, if I go and share, and then share. No, episode five. Whoa. Really cooking here. All righty then. Well, welcome back to episode five of You Can Account On Me, the accounting podcast. Whoa, that just scared me half to death. Um... I got to lower that. I'll be right back. Okay, I'm back. I lowered my work computer. That was so, so loud. Absolutely scared the crap out of me, but yeah. Welcome back to episode five of You Can Account On Me, the accounting podcast that helps guide you through the windy road of taxes and tax season. Always a joy to, uh, and always a pleasure um, to talk to you guys and teach you the ways, the ways of the tax from the tax man. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe that's what I'll start calling myself on this podcast, the tax man. Well, that has a bad connotation because everybody hates the tax man. So I don't collect taxes. I just do them. That's all. (laughs) Just remember that I don't collect them. I just do them. Um, I'm not the boogeyman. Uh, <laughs> I'm not the boogeyman. I'm just the middleman. Let's put it that way. Not the boogeyman, just the middleman. Um, I'm going to actually have to join a meeting here in about 10 minutes that I forgot about, but I can just put that meeting on mute. I really just have to show that I'm in the meeting. That's, excuse me, that's all. I swear, I like always have to, I know you guys don't want to hear this, but you know what, I'll I'll save that thought for all things relative. Anyways, welcome back to You Can Account On Me. Let's dive right into this. Today we're going to be looking at Schedule A of the 1040. Um, You guys might have heard me kind of mention itemized deductions versus your standard deductions. Well, Schedule A is the schedule where you list out your itemized deductions. So I thought we would go through Schedule A today in, uh, in some detail. Maybe I'll do a, uh, you know, an example of, of filling it out or whatnot. Um, just kind of like what I did with the 1040. And yeah, I'll explain to you guys uh, some of the itemized deductions and whatnot. Now, something to keep in mind. Um, not everybody can itemize their deductions. Uh, I've mentioned in previous episodes that the government allows you a standard deduction every year based on your filing status. So if you're single, married filing jointly, married filing separately, whatever it may be, you get a certain standard deduction based on that filing status. And what the standard deduction is, it's just an automatic deduction that the government gives you that you get to take off of your taxes, basically reduce your taxable income by the amount of your standard deduction. So that standard deduction is obviously limited to whatever the value is based on your filing status. So, for example, 
last year, if you filed single, uh, it was $12,550. So you're limited to that 12550 deduction for your standard deduction. Now, if you itemize deductions, you can deduct more than your standard deduction. But the catch is to use your itemized deductions, the total of your Schedule A, your itemized deductions, has to be greater than whatever your standard deduction is. And, I mean, that just makes sense in itself because why would you use your itemized deductions if they're lower than your standard deduction? You'd be effectively robbing yourself of free, you know, free amounts to take off of your taxable income at that point. So it, it wouldn't be worth it for you to itemize your deductions if they were lower than your standard anyways. But in either event, the government won't allow it. So can't do it even if you wanted to. Your itemized deductions have to be at least a dollar more than your standard deductions. Even if it's equal, you just put the standard deduction. So, keeping that in mind, and with that being said, let's hop right into this Schedule A and show you guys what it looks like and what deductions you can itemize throughout the year. Now, this is just federal. It's not state. So. Let's hop into it. So, here we are. This is your Schedule A. Can see it in the top left corner the schedule a a supplement of the 1040 itemized deductions so like most forms at the top if you use an accounting software you know typically this will populate for you but let's assume that we're not just for argument and simplicity's sake um you fill in the names shown on the form 1040 so that page one so if you're filing single it would just be, you know, Billy Bob Joe. If you were married, I would put, you know, somebody else's name here as well, but I'm not. I'm filing single. Billy Bob Joe, your security number, social security number um, in there as well as it appears on the front page with the 1040. And boom, we're in. We're in. We have access to the form. So now... Your schedule of itemized deductions start with medical and dental expenses. So this is probably um, kind of like the most difficult uh, threshold to hit because as you can see here from lines three and four, you have to have a certain amount um, in, um, in, uh, in, like medical and dental expenses to start deducting them. So first off, line one here, you would put your medical and dental expenses. So just as an example, let's say I had um, $5,000 in medical and dental expenses. Second now, it wants you to enter the amount from the form 1040 line 11. So if we go back to the form 1040 and look at line 11 real quick. you'll see that this is your adjusted gross income. So this is the sum of all your income before um, before you start deducting things like the standard deduction or anything like that. So line 11 is just the sum of all your taxable income for the year. So you just enter it as it you know, populated on line 11. Um, so let's say uh, I had $15,000 in income. So now you're going to multiply line 2 by seven and a half percent. So let's quickly pull up a calculator. 
We got 15,000 times 0 0.075. It even has the decimal for you right there. $1,125. Oops, did a decimal by accident, right? So now line four says to subtract line three from line one. So 5,000 minus 1125. If line three is more than line one, enter zero. So since it's not, I would be able to deduct 5,000 minus 1125, 3875 is what I would be able to deduct in medical and dental expenses because the medical and dental expenses that I incurred were greater, okay, than 7.5% of my AGI. If, let's say, just to make it nice and simple, let's say I had $5,000 in medical and dental expenses, but I had $100,000 in AGI, right? So now we're going to do 100000 times that same 0 0.075. Now we have 7500 So now, since I didn't meet the threshold, since the medical and dental expenses that I incurred um, were not greater than 7.5% of my AGI, I unfortunately cannot deduct any of my medical and dental expenses. And this is why it becomes um this is why it becomes difficult to you know deduct medical and dental expenses because typically you know just kind of based on whatever your income is you need you need a uh, a good amount of men medical and dental expenses to be able to meet that threshold you know typically somebody with fifteen thousand dollars in income unless they you know sincerely were in and out of hospitals the entire year they're not really going to have a third of their income go to medical and dental expenses, you know, which is why that was obviously an easy example. But something like this is a little bit more realistic. Um, look at that. Even if you only had $75,000 in income, you still wouldn't hit that threshold. You'd miss it by $625 and you still wouldn't be able. So it, it becomes very difficult um, to deduct medical and dental expenses, to factor in your into them into your itemized deductions because of that six and a half percent AGI threshold. But um, for argument's sake, let's see if I still have, um, I'm going to do that real quick. I just want to see if I still have the example 1040 that I was using before. Um, it unfortunately does not look like I do. No, definitely not should have kept it but um i am an idiot and i didn't okay well i was just gonna piggyback off of the example 1040 but you know i obviously don't have it so let's just say for argument's sake my income was fifty thousand dollars because that's you know a little bit more reasonable 50,000 times the 0 0.75, 3750. So I can now factor in $1,250 into the computation of my itemized deductions.
because I had $1,250 above the threshold of 7.5% of my income. Secondly, the second section in Schedule A is the taxes that you pay. So as you can see, this is a culmination of many things, state and local taxes, sales tax, um, state and local real estate taxes, property taxes, et cetera, and so forth. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, well, you know, wow, my, my, my school tax and my property tax combined. Maybe I live in a, an expensive area. Wow, my school and property tax combined is like $22,000. You know, this is great. I'm going to be able to deduct that whole thing, blah, blah, blah. Not so fast. Look at line E. Enter the smaller of line 5D or $10,000. 5000 if married filing separately. That, by the way, is why I say I never recommend anyone, if you can avoid it, don't file married filing separately. You're both just going to get screwed from it. Um, yeah, you are limited to deducting $10,000 um, of the taxes that you paid throughout the year. So, you know, whether you paid state and local taxes, this comes from your last tax return um you know if you paid any income tax on the state or anything like that you know whether it's state and and local taxes real estate taxes property taxes no matter how much they add up to you are only allowed to deduct up to ten thousand dollars in those taxes that's what you're limited to except for any other taxes these you have to be super specific with um and typically, if you list other taxes and stuff like that, uh, they will question you and ask you about it. So you better be ready to have proof. Yeah. So if you're prepared to list other taxes, um, be prepared to to explain them as well. We could even look in. Let's just see if they give us some examples in the instructions about um, examples of other taxes. So right here is a perfect taxes you can't deduct. Federal income tax, Social Security, Medicare, federal unemployment. These are basically everything that appears on your Form W-2. Federal, state, and gift tax, um, foreign or real property taxes, anything like that. Um... whole bunch of examples on six other taxes <clears throat> include on the line income taxes you paid to a foreign country and generation skipping taxes so yeah typically not a lot of people um, not a lot of people put anything really on this line on other taxes just because I mean it's so minuscule and it's so it's so limited and specific to um,
to, you know, foreign country taxes or generation skipping taxes. So, I mean, typically people don't even have those kind of taxes, so they don't really deduct them. But they aren't limited to any deduction, so you can realistically deduct as many as you want if you fucking, oops, if you have, um, you know, those kinds of taxes. But like I said, typically people don't. So let's say for argument's sake, um, taxes you paid, let's say, you know, I had no state and local taxes. Like I said, many people don't have this anyways. So um, this is typically not something a lot of people worry about. It's typically not something that's you know, that's that's uh, taken out. But let's say for argument's sake, I had um, real estate taxes of, you know, let's say 5000 And I had, you know, some personal property taxes of 7500 so I add those two together, lines 5A through 5C. Well, I don't have anything for 5A, so it's just 5B and 5C in my case. Oops, $7,500. $12,500. That's the amount of money that I paid in taxes during the year, um, specifically just on my residence, real estate taxes and property taxes. That can include... You know, general tax, property tax, school tax, um, anything of that nature. So let's say I accumulated in total $12,500 in taxes. So now line E, enter the smaller 5D or 10,000. So obviously 5D being 12,500 is less than 10,000. I unfortunately am limited to putting $10,000 here. That's what I'm limited to. I have nothing in other taxes. So I'm limited to deducting $10,000 from the taxes that I paid. So, so far, for itemized deductions, we're up to $11,250. So realistically for me, I'm almost there. Since filing single, um, I get a 12000 $550 deduction, and I'm already up to 11250 Realistically, if I can accumulate 1301 because it needs to be more, 1301 more dollars in itemized deductions, I can itemize my deductions for this year. So, interest you paid. This is interest that you paid mainly on your home mortgage or any investment interest that you had to pay. Investment interest that you've paid will show up on your brokerage statement usually. So you don't really have to, you know, if you have something through Fidelity or Morgan Stanley, JP Morgan, wherever you might have it from, um, your investment interest will show up if you paid if you had to pay any in. Um, you know, if you paid any premiums or anything like that, that will show up on your brokerage statement. So you will be able to enter it here for investment interest. Starting from the bottom up, I definitely didn't have any investment interest this year. Um, I didn't, you know, pay any premiums or anything like that. So now we look at if I paid any mortgage during the year. Um, 
any mortgage that you pay during the year, you know, whatever, you know, wherever you took out the loan from, whatever bank that might be, they will issue you a form 1098 at the end of the year. If they don't, you can go and ask them for it. Um, but typically they will issue it to you and it's a summary of what your total mortgage is in one of the boxes. Um, then the mortgage that you paid throughout the year, which is in another box, and then any mortgage uh, like points that you receive from paying that mortgage throughout the year. Typically, points don't usually pop up um, on on a 1098. They're very rare occasions, so let's ignore it for now. Um, so let's say, for argument's sake, that I still was paying off a mortgage on on the house that I'm living in. Um, you know, I went to a bank, got a loan to you know pay the mortgage on the house. Now I'm either paying off the mortgage or I'm paying the bank back. Let's say, for instance, I'm paying the mortgage right now. So my home mortgage, let's say um, I pay about, let's say, $1,200 a month. So we got the 1200 times our 12 months. So I paid $14,400. Of my mortgage this year. That goes on line 5A. Home mortgage interest and points reported to you. So $14,400 was the amount I paid in my mortgage this year on my home. Following all the way down. Since 8B is just home mortgage interest not reported to you. Argument's sake we don't have that. Points not reported to you. Don't have that either. No mortgage interest premiums. We add up lines 8A through 8D, which for us just happens to be line 8A as its simplest forms. And now, dun da da da, we are allowed to deduct that entire amount of mortgage interest. There are some instances where you're not allowed to deduct all of your mortgage interest, but in most, inst most instances, you are. So definitely keep a record of all the things that you're paying throughout the year because. You don't know, you might just be able to itemize them. So now, effectively, we're itemizing our deductions now. Because now, if you add up these three totals, <coughs> we are at $25,650 in deductions. Um, the government typically will ask for proof if you end up itemizing a lot of your deductions or if it's your first time itemizing deductions and you itemize quite a bit. So, you know, always be truthful what you're putting on the return and always remember to obtain and keep records of um, of whatever you're putting on your return because that is very important in case they ever, ever come at you asking you for proof of the items that you're deducting. One of the last columns, or sections, I should say, gifts to charity. So line 11 is gifts by cash or check. If you made any gift of $250 or more, see instructions. So let's hit the instructions up. Because people who make gifts of $250 or more, that is definitely, um, that definitely happens. It's definitely feasible 
Um, all right, let's do charity then. Charitable. What line are we looking for, guys? Looking for line 11 or 12B, whatever. Oh, geez, I'm on line 10. I'm on the 1040. I was going to say this does not look correct. Okay, here we go. Enter on line 11, blah, blah, blah. For contributions of $250 or more, you must also have a written acknowledgement from the charitable organization. So a lot of times when people donate to a charity, usually within a couple of months of you making that donation, they'll send you like some sort of thank you notice saying, you know, hey, so-and-so, uh, thank you for donating X amount of dollars to this charity. Um, you know, keep this form for your records as this, you know, as either this entire contribution or, you know, this amount of your contribution is deductible for tax purposes. So sometimes the entire amount of whatever you think you're contributing to charity is not deductible for tax purposes. So a good example, and I've seen a bunch of these, is if you go to a charity dinner and you pay for the price of a, you know, a seat or a table um, to go to this charity dinner and, you know, you have your, you know, three course meal or whatever. Um, and then you also donate to the chat, you know, that same charity, you know, uh, you know, at the same time you go to this dinner or whatnot, the amount of what you donated to the charity is deductible on your tax return. But the amount of the, you know, table and the dinner and whatnot is not deductible. So the thank you notice from that charity will be like, thank you for attending this charity dinner. This was the price of your table and dinner. This is the price of your contribution. Keep this for your records. Only the amount of your contribution is deductible for tax purposes. So, you know, if you have to, you know, made a gift of $250 or more, and this is not saying like your total gifts. This is saying if in one shot you made a two, you know, a $300 donation to a charity, be prepared for them to come and ask you for proof of that charity of that donation. So just keep it for your purposes. So, oh, now, remember what I said as well in previous episodes. Your charitable contributions, if you take the standard deduction, are effectively limited. Um, I can go back to the 1040 real quick. And it's not going to tell me. <laughs> of course it's not. Um, essentially... Your charitable contributions are limited if you take the standard deduction to $600 if you're filing single or $1,200 if you're filing married filing jointly. So I'm single, so my charitable contributions would be listed, um, would be limited to $600 if I took the standard deduction. But since we're on track here to itemize, I can take the full amount of my charitable contributions into account. So let's say to a whole bunch of charities or whatnot, I donated $1,500 throughout the year in cash or check contributions. Now, line 12 is non-cash contributions, you know, contributions other than by cash or check. So this is clothing, furniture, uh, electronics, anything, you know, you might donate to the Salvation Army, Goodwill, homeless shelters, 
anything that's not not a cash contribution. So you actually, if you make um, non-cash contributions of $250 or more, there's a whole separate form um, that you have to attach. If the total of your non-cash contributions is over $500. So this is not like per item. If your total is over $500, you have to attach this form for each um, non-cash item that you donated. And the form basically asks you for um, the type of item that you donated, where you donated the item to, so like the name and address. Um, it also asks you for the fair market value of the day that you donated it, the fair market value of the day you bought it, the date that you bought it, um, you know, what kind of donation was it, et cetera, and so forth. All that computes into um, what you're limited on deducting it for. Or if, you know, if it's a, you know, bit of a bigger purchase, you know, they might come looking for you just for some proof, but. Yeah, if you have total contributions over 500, you have to attach this form for each item that you are contributing. Um, I've never donated any non-cash, at least not that I know of. So we're going to leave that blank. Uh, oh, it scared me. The ice in my cup fell. <laughs> uh, carryover from prior year. Um, on line 13, we don't have any of that as well. Now you can add up lines 11 through 13, and we get $1,500. I'm very curious as to what this carryover is. You may have contributions that you couldn't deduct in earlier years because they exceeded the limits on the amount you can deduct. In most cases, you have five years to use contributions that were limited in an earlier year. Okay, so if, for instance, I donated $2,000 last year, but I didn't meet the itemized deductions last year, so I only got to—I was only limited to deducting six hundred dollars of it. I would effectively be able to carry over that fourteen hundred dollars that was left over to this year and add it to this amount. But let's go on the assumption that I didn't have any contributions last year, so fifteen hundred dollars. Casualty and th theft losses from a federally declared disaster—typically, you never really see that. Um, other itemized deductions, we can take a look at what those are. Um, net qualified, or is this the right line? Yeah. Net qualified disaster loss, standard deduction claim with qualified disaster loss. Other itemized deductions, gambling losses. Um, so, you know, if you were a heavy gambler hitting the casinos, the sports betting, and you had some, some gambling losses, you can deduct those. Deduction for amortizable bond premiums. Um, you don't see a lot of these. So, for argument's sake, we don't have any of those either. So, zero and zero. Now, finally, add the amounts in the far right column for lines 4 through 16. So, 4, 7, 10, 14, 15, and 16. So, let's add them up and see what our itemized contributions are going to be for the year. So we have 1250 in line 4, 10,000 in line 7, 14,400 in line 10, 1500 in line 14, 0 in line 15, 0 in line 16. 
would be our itemized deductions. So actually just looking at this box, you can elect your itemized even though they're less than your standard. But again, I can't really imagine a scenario where somebody would do that. You would be robbing yourself of money that you can take off your taxes. Maybe you're trying to get into a higher tax bracket for some reason. I don't know. You do you. I can't imagine a scenario like that where I would ever take that. So, yeah. $27,150, your itemized deductions. That would go on your 1040 in line 12A. So instead of in previous episodes where we just put that standard deduction of 12550 in line 12A, now you would put the amount from Schedule A, $27,150, right? There were itemized deductions from Schedule A. $27,150 would go there. That would be taken off your taxable income. So let's say, like you said, we had before was 50000 so your taxable income would effectively be that fifty thousand minus the twenty seven one fifty, twenty two eight fifty. Boom shakalaka. And that's that. Not really that difficult. Not really that daunting. Um, just something that you have to get used to keeping track of, uh, keeping documentation of, um, knowing just kind of where some deductions go and where others don't, knowing if you can deduct certain things or not. But you can really find instructions on you know the IRS site pretty quickly that will give you a great understanding of what you can deduct, what you can't deduct. So in the end, it ends up not really being that daunting. But anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed this walkthrough of the Schedule A of your itemized deductions. I know I definitely enjoyed walking you guys through it. Um, Make sure to please, you know, hit that subscribe button, hit that like button. All the feedback in the world is always appreciated. Um, I hope everybody has a great day, had a great day, or is getting prepared to have a great day, wherever you guys may be tuning in from. Um, New episodes of You Can Account on Me out every Monday and Wednesday, time permitting. And all things relative, the other podcasts that I do are out Tuesdays and Thursdays, time permitting as well. So be sure to check those out. I'll catch you guys in the next episode. And I really appreciate everybody sticking around and watching. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.